You're listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. Hi folks and welcome to episode 34 of the Let's Talk Apple podcast, a show for June 2016 and I'm your host Bart Bouchotts. Joining me today I have a fabulous panel as always from the My Mike podcast, Guy Searle is back with us, hi Guy. Hey, what's going on Bart? Oh, lots of stuff, we have so much news to talk about this month, it's just not even I funny know, I was. I was looking at those stories. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm a story looking guy. There we go. Um, we also have with us the tech doctor, Robert Carter. Hi, Robert. Hi, Bart. Thanks for having me back. Looking forward to it. It's a pleasure as always. And then we have a um, Let's Talk Apple Virgin. We have Ewan Rankin from the British Tech Network, Network with us for the first time. Hi, Ewan. Hello, mate. How are you doing? I am doing fine. Um, thank you for joining us. It's, uh, I've been looking forward well, to having you on for a while. I'm excited, mate. I'm excited. This is the first proper Mac show I've ever been on. <laughs> You do run a weekly one, right? Not really. Oh, he said proper. It more it it runs me a bit more. I I know that feeling. <laughs> and then also we have Nick Riley back with us. Hi, Nick. Hi, Bart. Happy to be back as always. Always a pleasure to have you. Um, before we get stuck into the uh, obvious stories, um, I want to do a few little follow-ups on stuff we talked about in the last show, the May show. Um, we were in May. Tim Cook did his little visit to China and India, and um, there was a whole hoo-ha. You know, will Apple, won't Apple, will Apple, won't Apple be allowed to have stores? And that seems to have settled down a bit. Um, India have changed their rules so that there is a three-year uh, sort of grace period for all companies, and up to an ex- up to five years if you're considered to be techie important. And uh, so everyone thought, oh, great, Apple gets to come in. And then they said, actually, no, Apple have to go and reapply now. So Apple have been told to put their application in again, and it'll be reevaluated in light of the new rules. Uh, so I think we think they'll be okay. Yeah, paperwork makes the world go round. Uh, meanwhile, in China, Apple has not had a particularly good month. Um, a local patent court in Beijing found that Apple was violating a design patent owned by a local company almost nobody has ever heard of. Uh, and as best as my eye can tell, this company appears to have ripped off the iPhone and then sued Apple for having gone back in time to create the design they then ripped off and then somehow copied it from them or something. I'm not quite sure how that works temporarily. Uh, it's to do with the, uh, the the date of the patent though, isn't it? And uh... Uh, there's, mm. there's different patent rules, so or patent rules in uh, in China. So they were allowed to register it post. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, yeah, no, but post. Um, uh, what's the word? The, the artistic. Oh, sugar. Prior art. Prior art. It was yeah. They, they don't have a prior arts uh, clause, which is why it was allowed. Wow. Yeah, plus, they were going 88 miles an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly. Um, and also, Chinese regulators are trying to co-opt, now not just Apple, they see all of the app stores into becoming part of their surveillance machine. So this leaves Apple with a difficult question. If they would like to keep their app store in China, they will need to keep records for, oh, it says 30 in the show notes, it should say 60, I'll fix that. Uh, they need to keep records for 60 days and they have to inform the government about any illegal postings that appear on the app store. So should Apple do a Google and sod off or should they swallow this? What do people think? It's too big of a market for them to just let it go. 
You know, um, I, I just can't see I, uh, unless they can somehow negotiate uh, a, a separate deal. I, I can't see Apple abandoning the China market. No, yeah, it, it doesn't seem like it does. And I guess the only argument would be that this is the camel's nose under the tent, because in and of itself, this is not, you know, as Chinese government overreach goes, this is not particularly onerous. The fear would, I guess, be that this is the start of much more onerousness. But anyway, that, that's where we're at. This is just a measuring exercise, though. I mean, it goes back. The India thing is a measuring exercise as well. It, it's look, you're really important to us. We love you to bits, but we can't have you thinking that you've got the biggest one in the house. We've got the biggest one in the house because we do the regulations. So here's something that you have to jump over just to show that we've got the biggest one in the house. Yeah, and I guess we we can use the word kowtow in its appropriate context in this case because I think that is sort of what's being asked for as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well, not for India. Fair point. <laughs> yeah, you you can't kowtow in India. No, but... uh, I'm not quite sure what the appropriate word is for the appropriate gesture to do in India, but anyway. Write in. Write, write in and tell us what the Indian version of kowtowing is. <laughs> no, don't. Uh also then, Current and C, last time we left that story, they had basically fired half their people and said uh, we're postponing indefinitely. Uh, but they still had a beta program running, but that has now also wound down. So they're ending their beta and they are postponing it indefinitely. Uh, so I think basically Current C is dead. Meanwhile, Walmart, who were one of the major members of Current C, uh, they have launched their own uh, Walmart pay in Alabama, which I guess is a, a sort of a beta test just in Alabama before they consider going more national with it. Well, isn't it? But isn't it basically the same thing pretty much as currency, the Walmart pay thing? As far as I can tell, very bloody similar, yeah. Yeah, so you know, it's not going away. It's just being broken up amongst all the different retailers that want to use it. Yeah, it, it's it's customer. They just hostile. brand it differently. Yeah. yeah, it's 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 not a service for the benefit of customers. It's a service for the benefit of retailers. So I don't know it's how poss- well it'll- it's possible that it will work about as well as currency worked, and they will abandon it and come back to Apple Pay. We shall see. I guess, yeah, I guess they want to try their own thing, right? I guess they don't want to throw in the towel preemptively. They at least want to give it a give it a fair shot, and then yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a flop, but maybe if they offer enough loyalty points or something, maybe maybe it'll entice people over. We shall see. Nah. Probably not, but, you know, maybe. Okay, so um, just two legal stories to talk to before we get to the big stories of the month. Um, a judge has, quite rightfully in my opinion, dismissed lawsuits over the quote-unquote bricking of iPhones through Error 53. The judge was like, yeah, so you haven't proved any harm was done and Apple did actually fix the problem, so sod off. Uh, which is how these things should end because there was, you know, there was a problem. Apple fixed the problem. Everyone's fine. So no need for a lawsuit. And rather tragically, a man claims to have invented the iPhone in 1992 and is suing <laughs> Apple for $10 billion with a B. Uh, and he would also like a percentage of iPhone revenue in perpetuity. In um, a pony. I think so. Now, this patent in question, he filed it, didn't actually provide the appropriate financial fee to go with that filing so the uh, application was considered abandoned and as far as I can tell what he drew in fairly rough sketches was actually a Kindle rather than an iPhone but what can I say I I think this case is as dead as dead can be 
Yeah. Well, I mean, you look at, at just prior art alone. You had Palm devices. You had the Newton. You had there were several devices that did exactly what this drawing was showing. So you know, the guy's got nothing. Nineteen ninety-two though was the Palm already around in ninety-two? Well, the Newton was, I believe. Yeah, that's before my time. So yeah, I get very confused. Every, everything older than what I what I have physically used, I consider to be old. It's all mushed into the one pile. Do you all think it's possible that Apple will want to settle out of court with this guy and that he'll end up with some money anyway? No, you really don't want to. You, you don't want to encourage that that kind of thing. People could, especially considering that he didn't actually have a patent you know he he wasn't able to file for it and yeah this is a guy that is he's talked to some lawyer and the lawyer has convinced him that it's not going to cost him nothing to to give it a try so why not try i agree it may be a no win no fee in which case it actually may actually cost him nothing and there's a lawyer in it somewhere going well i have a shot if this comes off i can retire and if this doesn't come off i'll try some other stupid scheme Yep, move to East Texas. <laughs> well, that's this where this is, is this happening, is in, right? Because this is in no, no, this is in Florida. Oh, is it? Wow, he doesn't yeah. even know the right court. Clearly, well, th- there is a certain part of me thinks that you don't want this because the thing is, if he's got uh, if he's got means to pursue this, and that's going to be the big thing, I think. Hmm. Uh, you know, if, if he's got if he can take it to the next court each time, and he could end up in the Supreme Court with this for God knows what reason you know he can get his day in court that just suddenly every donkey is a racehorse for one day um uh, this could end up and if i was apple i'd want this to just disappear and if that's just uh you know the, the thing that he can do is right he's going to drop his claim why i'm not allowed to say that's all you need and i think that they do well to get rid of it but they're not going to he's 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 not going to have more than a couple of zeros after uh, whatever he gets Guess it all depends on the quality of his legal advice, doesn't it? That's well, pretty crap. From... off of a uh, <laughs> used iPad. Yeah, it's pretty crap from what you've seen of those drawings. Yeah. I mean, it's got it's got Jornada written all over it. I mean, he it's may anything be... the dude hasn't done. He may be the kind of guy to represent himself in court. <laughs> yes, please. Oh, yes, God. please. <laughs> That's an entire Mac show in itself. It'd write itself, probably. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. He couldn't have possibly invented the iPhone in '92 anyway, because I invented it in 1990. Oh, well. <laughs> Did you remember to follow the paperwork? Uh, oh no, I must have just forgotten that. Ah, oh, don't worry about uh, it. Sue, sue and anyway. I've lost the drawings now as well, so uh, never mind. You were too busy talking on your new iPhone back in 1990 to file any paperwork. Who <laughs> yes. would you be talking to? I suppose some some early, with iPhones. Yeah, I've heard that some early inventors talk to themselves. Ah. <laughs> okay, let us move into the massive, giganto big story. So obviously we will get to WWDC, but Apple felt that we shouldn't have to wait that long to get news. So in the week before WWDC, Apple dropped the first big story of the month, which is that they are making changes to the App Store. Faster reviews, which they said were already underway and people had indeed noticed that that was true. Uh, paid search ads, subscription pricing opened up to way more apps, and a reduction of the revenue share to 15% uh, after the first 12 months of a subscription. And then Phil Schiller basically went, 
everywhere on the internet and he, he did interviews with Iris Technica he did interviews with Daring Fireball he I think he did some with iMore he went all over the place and had a good chat about it um, then there's been some more details about how the ads will work and then finally Google went ah me too only we're not going to do it after 12 months we're going to give you the 18 the 85-15 split straight away so well uh, <laughs> Where are developers making money? They're making money with iOS. They're not making so much with Android and other platforms and mobile. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to. And the fact that Apple is willing to reduce their fee after 12 months to 15%, you know, okay, that's that's fine. But for most developers, you know, I, I think this is really more of a carrot to um, – people that used to create magazines and newspapers and things along those lines. So if they can get their overall costs down a little bit after 12 months on long-term subscribers, then, you know, hooray, they, they make a little bit more in the back end. Yeah, to me, I think the biggest thing is actually the subscription pricing because it's been a kind of a problem in the app store that unless you do silly scammy apps where you you know, spend in-app purchases to buy pretend gold. It doesn't really matter. There's not much profit being made in there at the moment. Um, and if you can subscribe to an app instead of a one-off payment, and then, I mean, there's no upgrade pricing. There's none of that kind of stuff. So maybe subscription is the way to go. So sort of the Office 365 model only for more software and hopefully at smaller prices. How do people feel about the concept of paying a monthly or annual fee for apps they like? Not happy about it. Yeah, I'm really having trouble adjusting to the idea simply because I don't like having all these little five, ten dollar subscriptions that come due all the time. And I'm not sure exactly why I don't like it. I just I just don't feel happy about it somehow. It's because you're too tight to buy the yearly one. Okay. No, I don't. I'm more okay <laughs> buying the yearly one, you know. Well, or- I mean, I ha- I have this. I have a, a 365 subscription, and considering that you're always getting the latest and greatest version of MS Office for the Mac, that's it. plus you know all the rest that that goes with that. That's fine. It's when companies like Adobe charge just the, these outrageous fees, and they know that they've got their particular little markets sewed up that, you know, people, people are expecting to see Photoshop. They're expecting to see uh premiere and, you know, some of the other proprietary formats that, uh, that Adobe has in their workflow. And if they don't see it, then, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, sure. You can go out and get Pixelmator or you can go out and get, you know, whatever other program that more or less does the same thing that Adobe's products do. But on the back end, on somebody else that's going to work on it after you're done with it, it may or may not work the same when they open it up in one of Adobe's products. And, you know, this is what Adobe is counting on. On the flip side, though, arguing with myself, I really do see the need for developers to be able to make a living. And there is no future in this race to the bottom. So... I see that something probably does need to be done and maybe I'll just have to get used to it. I think where you need to be careful about all these subscriptions is they're okay. They're okay in small amounts for each one. 
But if you happen to have, I don't know, a dozen of them or 20 of them, hmm. suddenly it's starting to get really expensive every month just to run the software that you like. It may, it may, it depends on the price though, because if they're 99 cents per year or something, I don't mind that. If they're, you know, like Adobe size, you know, 15, sorry, 20 euro a month, then I do want 20 euro a month worth of value. Hugh, and you've been very quiet on this. Um, I don't have a problem with the Adobe model. I mean, I, I pay my 8.57 for Photoshop every month and I'm quite happy. Thank you very much. Um, and, uh, I, no. I, how are you getting it so cheap? I have no clue, but I pay eight pound fifty-seven a month. Wow, I, I I pay twenty euro now. I have a fo- I, all I have is Photoshop and Lightroom. Hmm. Yeah, um, but it's uh, I I don't have a problem with that amount of money, and it's it's a business expense for me, so it's fair enough. Um, I think I'd have a uh, well. I think I think the the one thing that I like about a subscription model is it's upfront and it's honest, which is n- not what you can say for in-app purchases in a lot of stuff. Where particularly things like games, you've got two modes of currency: one's valueless, one's hugely expensive, and uh, they trade off against each other. The game then limits your functionality to try and and get you to buy more of the expensive currency and give you hundreds of amounts of the uh, inconsequential currency. Um, but if I'm playing a subscription for a game each month and it gives me that game to the nth degree, at least that's honest. Yeah. There's an upfront charge. You know what you're paying. If, you're, if your money management's crap, Nick, I'm sorry, mate, but, but you, know, you, you need to own up to that for yourself. And if it's too much money, then don't buy it, Robert. But you know, it, it, at least it's honest. And I cannot stand the in-app purchases. And speaking as a parent as well, because in-app purchases are a nothing but a source of conflict between me and my son. Because he doesn't understand the extortion that is taking place by the developers. I have to try and explain it to him. And then I have to yep. at some point go, no, son, I'm not going to let this developer take 35 quid off you and give you a bitmap for it. That's not happening. And then I'm the Antichrist. And I, I can't. I can't countenance that in my own mind. That you know, the, the the mode of in-app purchasing for developers is is a divisive thing between me and my son that we don't need. Mm. Um, and at least a subscription to go and play a website uh, that's that's subscription based at six pounds a month. He can have that. I'm fine with that. It's okay. It's when it's like, oh, it's six pound a month. And there's in-app purchases at £2 and £8 and £75 or £4,000, which you can buy a putter on WGC for £4,000, I kid you not. I hope they deliver a physical putter. No, you get a bitmap, mate, and that's it. And that's what I I really have a problem with. Yeah, so I, I see it as a real problem that developers can't make a living on the App Store. Unless they're slime balls doing four thousand dollar bitmaps, so I, I something has to give. And it would have been nice if Apple had allowed upgrade pricing, but I just get the impression Apple are not going to do that. And it seems pretty clear from the experiences of of, of some of the companies who've tried to charge sort of normal software prices in the App Store that people, for some reason, when they're on their phone, will not spend ten or twenty dollars on an app. They want it for ninety nine cent or nothing. And so, if the answer is a monthly or an annual subscription of ninety nine cent. Okay, maybe that's maybe that's fine. That's, that's my take on it anyway. As, as long as it gives me something, something, you know, a, a piece of software that's worthy of it. And 
my guess is what we're going to see is a whole bunch of apps that are free to buy that give you basic functionality and if you want the full stuff then you pay the monthly subscription or whatever and then you get the full features yeah i think there's there's a problem as well in the way that developers are selling their apps to us because um if an app is worth £20, then you will look at it and you will go, wow, that's worth £20. And one of the problems that we've got is that they can't sell their app to us because they're selling us something that is a calendar app. And we're like, well, I've already got iCal. I don't need any more than that. So you've got to get over that obstacle and you've got to convince me to buy this £20 iCal, uh, hmm. iCal app. And they can't do that. They're not inventive enough to do that. They're not selling it on the positives they're just trying to tell you what's wrong with iCal and that's not going to get you to buy their product so then what they do is they give you their product free of charge but then they give you a product that doesn't work so you hopefully then get to understand that it's actually good and then they'll sell something else on top and someone suddenly realized oh i can sell more and more and more and more and more within this and then i can introduce a subscription model etc and it's where the problem comes from the fact that if you want to get 20 dollars for an app 20 quid for an app then sell me the 20 quid price tell me what i'm getting for 20 quid rather than trying to fluff it up in something that's just um pure fluff now well said i agree the thing is if apple were to allow a five-day trial then i think you'd find it much easier to sell a 20 dollar app because you could give people the full experience and then say you have five days to figure out if this is for you or not but because apple won't do trials i don't think you you can sell a 20 dollar app can I ask a question as a non-developer? Is mm-hmm. there no functionality in the way that Apple... The, the problem isn't that Apple won't let you, although they won't let you, but... Well, they won't. <laughs> no, I know they won't let you, but the point is that there's no setup of functionality to allow that and give security to the application. Well, because no, once the, the fully functioning app's right? gone... Well, all the apps are DRM'd in the App Store. Right. So Apple most certainly do have the ability to offer you a limited time period on it and then yoink it back if you haven't paid. Right. Okay. And the thing is, you kind of sort of unofficially have trials because if you raise, if you buy an app and then within the first day or two raise a ticket with Apple to say, this is a heap of poop, I want my money back, unless you do this every week, they actually will. You just say to them, did not live up to expectations, you know, promised it could do X, turns out it's useless at it, want my money back. And I've only done it twice in the last, well, whatever amount of years old the iPhone is. But each time, no questions asked, money back, app gone. I, get, I do it with movies. I watch a movie and I'm like, <laughs> this is absolute crap. And there was one that we watched, uh, Maze Runner, and my son loved it, thought it was great. I liked it. I thought it was quite an interesting premise. And then we watched two, and it turned out to be a zombie movie. And I was like, this isn't what the first one was. There's nothing that gave me any warning that this was what it was going to deteriorate into. I want my money back. Cloud Atlas, I got my money back for. And last week, I got Dad's Army, I got my money back because it was just a pile of pants. I'm so sad like, about that. I, give I, me my money back because this is the biggest pile of crap that's ever been made with a with a camera. And they always and I got to give Apple 100 percent kudos for this they always give me my money back because they know I'm not taking the the mic. Yep. Um, and I got an in app purchase back as well on a baseball game. And, and the thing is, because it's all DRM'd, I mean, there is, on, on the whole, I'm not a huge DRM fan, but in this case, the DRM actually works to your advantage because there's no risk of Apple giving you money back because they can take away the movie slash whatever it is that you're complaining about. They just undo, take that transaction away, remove your rights to it, problem solved. Yeah, and you can't just turn around and watch it again or, or you know, bounce it to some other platform. Exactly. Okie dokie, so then, obviously, the Worldwide Developer Conference kicked off, um, and there was the usual keynote, 
And then as the week went on, of course, more information dribbled out. So I'm going to go through the stuff sort of as if it was the keynote, but I've also included all the extra bits and bobs we've discovered since then sort of mushed in together. So Apple very much broke their keynote into there are four platforms. And so I figure that's probably as good a way to bite at this as any. So let's start with Watch OS 3. I thought Apple just broke the keynote. Uh, broke in, broke as a, a good as way or a bad way? The, the concept of what a keynote was. Okay. God. Ugh, mate, 35 minutes on uh, messages. Apparently, to deve- apparently, to developers. To the youth, apparently to the youth, that's, that's important. Y-O-U-F. <laughs> at a developer conference. They did it with music. They did a consumer keynote at a developer conference. And not and and on top of that, I had to watch Eddie Q dance like my dad. It's just, <laughs> I, I think they ruined the, the the keynote last year at WWDC was horrific, and then they tightened it up really, really well in the autumn, and then they've done it again this year. They've produced a horrific keynote, and I hope they're going to tighten it up again in the autumn because it was absolutely dire as a keynote. I thought it was horrific. I I certainly was bored to tears during a few parts of it but I was told it was because I'm an old fogey and apparently it's, it's all very important the fact that you can embed apps into messages and that you can embed apps into all sorts of things um, Adam well, the, the only two parts I didn't like uh, I didn't care for the music part and when they went on and on about messaging that kind of threw me off yeah Adam that's 50 minutes right there that's, it is. the only bit I didn't like was 50 minutes of the two hour keynote there's my point <laughs> the purpose of the keynote, though, isn't to make everyone happy all the time. So True. Adam said that Adam Christensen's view on it was that initially he thought it was awful. And then he thought about it. And then he realized that at every single one, they kept on saying, and here's the APIs for this. And here's the APIs for that. So if you looked at it as being a sort of a shop window of the week, in other words, you go to this event and you get a taster of everything that will be available for the entire week long conference, then it actually he, it does make more sense. Right, and remember that not all developers are going to develop for all four platforms. Mm. And if they're if they're showing the new stuff for each platform, then you know they, there is going to be bits and parts of it that aren't going to you know interest one developer or another, or even one portion of their audience or another. Yeah, I thought the keynote was well done from my perspective. I was really glad to see all the diversity on the stage and Apple really stepping forward with some new people who really knew their stuff when they talked about their products. And so I I, I felt positive about it. Yeah, and the thing to point out is that Apple never put someone on stage who isn't involved with the product. So the, the reason those people were so clued in is because they're the people making the stuff. So they they passed over raw output from the camera processor in favor of text effects in messages. Give over. Yeah, the, the, the weird Give thing over. is apparently in the world of Facebook Messenger and all these things, that is apparently spectacularly important. I, I am skeptical of this, but I was told it because I'm an old fart. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe, maybe and, we're all old farts And together. you can't quote Adam. Adam, he's just a fanboy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so the watch. So the first thing was the watch. And personally, I was just like, um, when Kevin Lynch stood up, he articulated all of my complaints about the watch so perfectly that I was like, okay, if Apple understand what's wrong with this product as well, maybe they have fixed it. And I, I, from what we saw, I think they have. So faster, 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 faster. 
no more glances. Instead, you have a dock where your common icons, sit, or your common apps sit, which can be accessed by that button you've never used before under the crown. And it will update in the background. So as you flick through your dock, they are all live views of the apps you have in said dock. I thought that was great. Like, I, really... I love my watch to bits, but I only use built-in apps because third-party apps make me so cranky. But I'm hoping that that is going to change now with this new version. I thought the the watch part was the best part by a long way because, it, I mean, they've released the watch and the watch is a great first stab in terms of software and UI. But actually, that was like, okay, we did this but it doesn't work. So here's, here's a new interface. And they weren't afraid to do that. And what was lovely as well was if you bought an Apple Watch 1, you're going to get all of this stuff. We're not going to try and flog you new hardware on the back of this software change. This is going to work straight away. Yeah. And we got it wrong, and we're awfully sorry. So here you go. And everyone should have gone, wow, the watch now suddenly becomes much more functional than the, 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 the way it's laid out at the moment. Yeah. Totally agree. But haven't they done this before? I mean, isn't this just how Apple works? I mean, it struck me that if you think back to the original iPhone, that that it's exactly the same. They they launched something. It was pretty good. People really liked it. And then a, a, a year or, or a couple of years later, they brought out something that was so exponentially better that everyone wanted it again. No, but so the it, UI was that... identical. The UI is still the same. Well, apart well, from degree. it going flat. Yeah, and 3D touch and stuff like that. But, but you know, the, the concept of an icon, the concept of a home button, you know, that, that, that UI is, is there, whereas this is a change in the UI. This is a change in the way that you interact with your watch completely. Okay. Yeah. It, it is a more substantial change because you're right that Apple is iterative. So if you look at the very, very, very first version of OS X, it was pretty doggone awful. But it did have a dock, a menu bar. I mean, it had all of the pieces of which have now been tweaked and honed and polished to become a really nice OS. So with iOS, we had the dock, we had the the application screen. I mean, okay, it took a few versions till we got copy and paste. It took a few versions till we got folders. It took a few versions till we got force touch. Or not force touch, 3D touch. But at the same time, if you look at if you pick up an iPhone 1, it doesn't work different. It just doesn't yeah. have as many features. Whereas this is such a fundamental change that if you pick up a watch with watchOS 1 or 2 and then you pick up a watch with watchOS 3, you will be briefly lost because it's just a new model. Yeah. Although I thought it was, it, I thought it was really good. Really, yeah, I was really, really impressed. And the fact that they, they started by telling us that they understand what's wrong made me very hopeful. It's like, cause I, I, so, I sometimes get the impression that modern Apple is slightly losing touch. And to hear Kevin Lynch explain the problems exactly like I would. Maybe we go, well, maybe some of them are losing touch, but he's not. He, he, he understands. So that made me smile. And you got Mickey Jenner as a watch face. <laughs> I, I, I can safely say that Mickey has never graced my screen and never shall. No, didn't you spot it? It's, it's exactly like Bruce Jenner. So Mickey, t- Mickey turns into Minnie, but you can still tell it's Mickey. Okay. <laughs> So this is a new dress, basically. Yeah, they just put Mickey in a dress and gave him some big eyelashes. It's the same face, otherwise. <laughs> it's not Minnie. It's Bruce Jenner. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not sure how to transition from that, but um, the other big thing they did was made the watch usable to people in wheelchairs. Like, seriously put effort into making the watch usable for people in wheelchairs by analysing 
as you use a wheelchair, how do your arms move and what will the watch's accelerometer pick up uh, so that they can reverse engineer the other way to figure out how many rolls you have done and how many calories you're burning? And also to do, you know, to give you the rings like everyone else has. Uh, but instead of telling you to get up and walk, which would probably be slightly insensitive, um, they tell you to go roll, which is obviously much more appropriate. I think it was great. Glad to see him highlight it in the keynote also. Yeah. And again, this is continuing. Well, it's not the l- first time that they've done something like that. Right. This is a long history of Apple being aware of people with disabilities. And it was just, I think it made everyone happy to see. They also added a new watch face or a new capability for someone who's blind to have the watch tap out on your wrist the time so that you don't have to have voiceover turned on so that it will just tap out the time either in vibrations to that you can count or in Morse code. There are several different ways you can do it, but that's going to be kind of nice for people who need to check the time silently. Oh, so if you just raise your wrist, it will then go tap, 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 tap. Well, I I assume so. I haven't actually tried it yet, but that capability is there. That is really clever. That's spectacularly clever. There was also a Breathe app for people who are a bit more hippie than me. I could do with the Breathe app tonight, actually. (laughs) Oh? Yeah, I just can't breathe properly. I've I've been out at uh, the Godiva Festival this afternoon. And uh, it's all the grass pollen. Oh, dear. <laughs> Did you drink alcohol? Uh, no. That's have, you probably dr- have, why. have you drunk alcohol since you got back? Uh, no. <laughs> okay. A, a Godiva festival. My memory of the legend of Godiva involved riding around horses in the nip. Uh, That's right. th- th- that is the story, yes. So but the Godiva you... festival is a music festival. Okay. Nothing to do with horses and being in the nip. Okay. Or Belgian <laughs> chocolates. <laughs> Um, I think the breathing, uh, deep breathing app is a great idea. In my other life, I work as a psychologist, and there's some pretty solid research behind teaching people to do these breathing exercises for relaxation and for slowing yourself down. And so it's nice to see them step out just from purely focusing on physical health and doing a little something for mental health. I think it's great. Okay. I think I think it's the Breathe app is going to be probably one of the most unheralded of uh, the upgrades that I think actually really does work because I agree with you there completely. It's it's you know there's nothing better than closing your eyes and taking a few deep breaths just when things get on top of you. Um, and you could you know I'd rather have that than the bloody watch telling me to stand up when I'm doing seventy <laughs> down the motorway. <laughs> but without the eye closing. I was going to say, do you not have do you not have a sunroof that you could poke eye through for a bit? No? <laughs> oh, that's the other thing as well. If the wheelchair users want equality, then I want the the watch to tell them that they've got to push themselves along while they're driving. Yeah, <laughs> just the same as it does for me. It's only fair. Yeah, you'd imagine they'd get better at detecting the fact that you clearly could not possibly be walking <laughs> at at a speed of a hundred kilometers an hour or whatever. I mean, you think that would be possible to do? I'm sure it'll develop at some stage. Um, any other thoughts on the watch? Like I've yet to it. buy one. Okay, so general happiness. And um, guy, did you say it might encourage you to buy one? No, I said I have yet to buy one. And does this make you more likely, less likely? Uh, not so much for some of this stuff. Uh, some of the features that it that it does in relation to uh, Mac OS 
made made it a little a little more tempting. Okay, so we'll, we'll get to those later, and then you can tell us your temptations. So, I, I was okay. quite because uh, I I don't know if anyone else is out there has got this, but I mean, I the Apple Watch is the only Apple purchase I've ever made that I actually regret. Wow. Um, I spent too much money on something that didn't do enough for me. Um, that's not saying it doesn't do enough. It's saying it doesn't do enough for me. And, um, and I think this this change actually made me excited that I might get some use out of my watch now far more than just a tea, uh, a timer for tea and tell the time. Okay, because I notice when I, whenever I'm on your show, you always have it on, so you yeah. do use it. Yeah, I mean it's great for me if I'm out on um, if I'm out at work on a on a construction site, railway site, that kind of thing, because I get a notification on the phone, it, it bings on me watch, and I can look up without getting my phone out and risking dropping it on a hard surface, and I love that kind of stuff. But outside of that, I tell the time with it, and I set a timer for me tea, and that's it. And I don't get. A, I've tried other apps, I've tried stuff with it, and I don't get anything from it. Uh, and I think this will give me an opportunity to get more from it because the interface has changed. Because the interface, I think, is pretty. Around. Yeah, as I say, the reason I only use first-party apps is because basically they work and the rest don't. So this would be a nice change. Uh, Did did you go for the sport or did you really, really dive in? Um, Mine was given to me by a listener. Um, So uh, he he bought his and he was so pissed off with Apple um, in the way (laughs) – I couldn't get over this. It's like they're taking forever to deliver it, so when it comes, I'm going to give it to you, Ewan. Okay. okay. <laughs> Thanks very much. Um, so I hadn't got a watch, and then I ended up getting a watch before everyone else did, effectively, on the panel. <laughs> I ended up paying extra yeah, to get a watch. Having not everyone. even ordered it. Um, uh, I paid him for it, but um, uh, I got the uh, the steel, and I I really enjoyed it. I think the one thing they've let themselves down with a bit is the straps. Um, there's, a, there's a story this week about the straps going out of stock and there's like the black ones have gone out of stock and that's just like your stock trade, as we said on the show the other night. Yeah. Um, and I thought the other thing as well as, as a fat bloke, you know, the, when the longest strap came out, that was like huzzah and then they haven't done any other long straps since then, which I think they've let themselves down a bit with. But. Interesting. Yeah, I went for the, 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 the cheapo sport one and the basic understanding that this is a version one Apple product. I am going to enjoy it, but I'm probably going to want the version 2 product when it comes out, so let's not spend much money. Or the version 4. Or the version 4, yeah. I mean, yeah. I have to say, though, as a version 1 product, the hardware is holding up pretty darn well. If Guy's waiting for a version 4, that means he's never going to buy an Apple Watch. (laughs) Well, I'm liking, actually, that it seems like the hardware cycle is being kept long on this, which is probably good, because I don't think people who bought a steel watch are quite ready to find their watch obsoleted so quickly. It won't be obsolete, though, will it? Probably, yeah. It doesn't seem like it. So, you know, I, I think if if Apple were to release an Apple Watch 2 three months from now and say, oh, and by the way, none of your straps will fit, I think the world will explode. Yeah. Anyway, uh, tvOS was next on the keynote. Um, I found, okay, I'm sure for Americans this is all a huge big deal. So the concept that you can sign in once... And then all of the apps that use the fact that you have a cable subscription to allow you to use the app will all start working instead of having to sign into every app one by one. That must be a great big deal for people in America. It is. But I couldn't see anything in that demo that made me in any way happy. It was just, okay, fine. Very nice for the Americans. Good for you. Sounds like a nice feature. Yawn. Remote app for the iPhone. That's it. Oh, yeah, the new remote app, which is now, yeah. That's it. That's the only thing that's it for the rest and of the world. And they didn't even show it. 
No, but that's the only thing for the rest of the world that was any use whatsoever in the TV presentation. Now, I have a, a new Apple TV, and I love it to bits. It works perfectly for me, so I'm not particularly waiting on anything, but I just thought it was a very meh part of the keynote. Seconded. Okay, if anyone has some excitement to throw in about the TV, speak now or hold your peace. I suppose the only uh, the only good thing about it for us in the UK is if more people are going to develop more stuff for Siri, then perhaps it will become more useful in more apps. Yeah. I mean, I, I use it with an app called, it. <laughs> yeah, I use it with an app called Air Video HD. So you run a little agent on your Mac and then it reaches into all of your network shares and everywhere you have movies, you basically tell it, here's all the photos with my media in it and it then presents it out from the Mac to your iPhone, your iPad or a new app on the Apple TV. And I can't search it with Siri. And that's just stupid. I mean, that is where all my media is. I should be able to search that way more. I want that to be searched long before it goes anywhere near the bloody internet. But of course, with the way the Siri APIs are, at least for now, that does not seem to be possible. And Apple didn't announce a complete opening up of Siri here, did they? I think you're going to get a problem as well, though, with with how you've uh, tagged a lot of those things. If you use tag systems... um, you still get issues. Uh, I've got a, a program that does film tags hmm. for my, my uh, collection of DVDs that I ripped, and it, it's it's pretty poor um, when it gets the wrong it gets the wrong film quite a lot, and it gets the wrong artwork quite a lot. So if you're going to turn that into Siri actually finding the right movie that's in your collection on your external drives, I think that's a bit of a leap for it when, you know, sometimes it doesn't even work very well on the phone with a decent connection or on Wi-Fi or something. Yeah, well, I've meticulously named everything perfectly. Well, in, kind of person. in Bart world, maybe, but Siri doesn't work in Bart world. I have no clue what world she works in, but um, it's because it's I've, <laughs> I've, today. It's just like I got in the car to come home from work and it was just hold Siri down. Right. Ring my wife. And uh, and it's like, I'm sorry, I can't help you with that. <laughs> it's just like, you know, I've got a 4G connection in the middle of Banbury and you won't even ring me wife. Yeah, you're not the only one you uh, I know everyone has a go at you on uh, on your podcast, but you're not the only one. It never understands me either. Yeah, you've got to be right. I fill my podcast with fanboys. That's where it goes off the rails. <laughs> Perhaps it's the Brummy accent it doesn't like. No, it's not, because I haven't got a particularly bad Brummy accent. And uh, I've tried saying it in American accents as well. I've tried all sorts, mate. It just, it's, <laughs> it's glitchy beyond belief. And the number of times you ask it to say something or spell something, and it's like, um, I was driving home the other day and I said, um, uh, hey Siri, play um, Coldplay Adventure of a Lifetime. And it, it was just, in the end, it was like, okay, I'll just find a podcast because I just can't be doing with this. <laughs> yeah, I found that whenever you would like to demo Siri to someone, she will get it completely spectacularly wrong and or not answer you at all and just ignore you completely. Uh or when it's really because important. she thinks you're showing off. That must be it because you know yeah, you're in the kitchen. Your hands are you're up to your elbows in turkey insides or whatever it is you're you're preparing, and you need to set a timer. So you lift the watch. You go, "Hola Siri, set a forty-five minute timer." Not a chance. And your hands are covered in gunk. And you're like, "Oh for God's sake, just just start the timer, please." And you're maybe on the third time she'll finally. Oh, you'd like a timer, would you? 
And then other days, when it doesn't really matter a damn, you're just using it because you're a lazy sod, just go, yeah, sure, no problem, I'll do that for you. It's like, so this is where Bart replies, yes, but not from you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let, let's move on to the, 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 next, uh, the, the next platform. So OS ten is no more. We now have Mac OS. And in particular, we have Mac OS Sierra is coming along to replace OS X El Capitan. Mostly, I think it's just a, a tweak, a little, a little bit of spit and polish on the existing OS. Yeah. Um, one of the the more visible features is that any any multi-windowed app now has tab support provided by the OS. So basically, if the app is an app that works on Windows, you as the user can decide to collapse those windows into each other and the developer has to do nothing. Because as far as the app concerned, a tab is a window. So it's just the OS allowing you to organize your windows in a new way, which is a nice addition. And they showed it off with Apple Maps. And my first reaction was, you mean I could have done Command-N to get a new map all this time? Um, there we go, I'll learn something new. And- it kind of reminds me of uh, what happens with iCloud. Like you go into pages in iCloud and you click a document. It doesn't open a document in that window. It opens up another tab. Yeah. Yeah, so it's, you know, it's, I think it's a feature people will like. People seem to love tabs. I know people well, who, who see, use... Can I just offer a, a quick word of dissent there? No, because, sure. Um, and this might just be me um, speaking as a dyslexic, but I find uh, Safari tabs to be nothing more than camouflage text. They are, they are a pain in the arse for me to decipher. I just cannot pick them out, and they drive me mental. I, pref- I much prefer the way that tabs appear in Chrome. They're, they're big, and they're, they look like a tab on the top of a folder, whereas Apple tabs just they merge terribly for me into, uh, into the, the, the address bar. I don't know how you feel about it, but would you consider there's a Firefox plugin I adore called Tree Style Tabs that puts the tabs in the sidebar and you can nest them as collapsible subfolders and sub subfolders and sub 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 subfolders, which is fantastic for keeping yourself organized, but it does mean that you end up with 50 kabillion tabs. Yeah, no, but I'm thinking if it, the, the, what we're talking about here is the implementation of a tab mm. front end yes. for apps on. on Yes, uh, yeah, no, I'm just yeah. trying to solve your Safari problem. Right? So what I'm saying is they're going to follow the same principle as Safari, and I find Safari horrific to decipher. It just doesn't – I can't do it. It, it, yeah. I, like I said, it might be just me. It might just be a dyslexia thing, but I just cannot find tabs. And I, 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 I really struggle. There's two, three, four looks for it. And I think it's because it's below the address bar. Whereas all the Chrome stuff is above the address bar, and it just looks like a tab. A tab is on the top because it's the top of the piece of paper. It's the top of the folder in the in the drawer, you know. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree, uh, you, and I think I prefer the way others have implemented tabs than the way Apple has done it. Yeah. yeah. Now, personally, I know people, you know, absolutely lost their shit last year when they got uh, tabs in the Finder, and they thought it was the best thing ever. I never used tabs in the Finder. And I have friends who resolutely refuse to use anything but um, Mozilla Thunderbird because it has tabs. So I guess those people can now <laughs> become mail users if they like. Um, I think it'll be. I think it'll be useful to have. Yeah. yeah. In all honesty, I mean, at the moment you can you can access all your open documents by hovering, can't you, over your uh, icon on the uh, on the dock. Uh, so if you've got multiple pages documents open, you can actually see it by hovering over the over the icon. 
but I think it'll be useful to have them as tabs as well. Yeah. Uh, there's also under the hood stuff going on. So a few months ago, security researchers discovered a way that um, you could leverage a bug in a standard app to escape from an app sandbox. It was basically to sneak your way around Gatekeeper. And what Apple did at the time was that they, they patched all of the existing uh, standard apps to which the uh, people who found the bug replied, okay, you fixed the immediate problem, but this is not a real fix. And Apple sort of kept their trap shut. Well, it turns out they were while they were being silent, they weren't being non-active. They've, in, they've added a new feature into Gatekeeper in this version of OS X, which mitigates that problem. So it's called um, path randomization, uh, which means that it just makes it this particular type of problem has now been instead of just being patched with a band-aid has now been properly protected against so they are definitely doing a bunch of under the hood stuff to keep the os secure and to keep it running well but on the whole it's not it's, you know it doesn't look way different like oh my goodness a whole new os it's it's much more mature than that <laughs> Okay, Any any other anyone want to jump in anything else on the Mac or do we move into iOS? Because a lot of the iOS stuff I think will sort of bounce back towards the Mac as we talk about it. Well, I, I kind of like the um, the easier way to log into your, your computer via your phone. Sorry, via your watch. And I'm hoping they'll extend that to the phone as well. Actually, that's a good point. How could I have skipped over that? Yeah, so if you... If you have an Apple Watch, you can configure your Mac that when you when your watch comes close to it, it will unlock your device. One reason I'm not sure they'll do it on the phone, uh, Guy, is because your watch is somewhat different. Because when you unlock the watch, as long as it stays in your skin, it knows it's still you. But your phone, they couldn't allow a locked phone to unlock your computer because that would be a massive security risk. But if you yeah, but have- they could use Touch ID to do that. I guess, but is that so much easier? Is that so much of an improvement to go fumbling around your pocket, do the Touch ID thing, and then have your computer come? Personally, I would have typed my password 20 times over before I do that. (laughs) So, I don't know. The watch makes perfect sense because it's constantly authenticated. So, there's no danger in just believing the watch, assuming the watch is unlocked and on your skin. Well, the only thing I would say about that is that there's no number of tries on the watch, is there? Uh, How do you mean... It doesn't lock you out after a limited number of tries. Uh, does it, there is activation lock on the watch? No, there's, there's an activation lock, as in, right. as in you have to put a passcode in, but there's no limitation on the number of times you can try that passcode. So if you lose your watch, go to your Mac and disable this feature? No, what I'm saying is if someone gets hold of your watch, they effectively mm-hmm. then can open, by guessing 999 combinations, they can effectively open your Mac. Right, so that's what I'm saying. So if you lose your watch, you go to your Mac and you turn off this feature. I'm thinking of FBI recent events. Ah, it's I a backdoor. Yeah, okay, no, you're right. It is a backdoor because also, like, it doesn't take much for an agent to just take your arm and wave it around your computer. Or if you won't move, take your computer and wave it around your arm. No, so the, the watch has become detached from you. So the passcode is now unlocked. Mm-hmm. Someone puts it on their wrist. It doesn't biometrically detect you. So all it needs is a four-digit passcode. Yes. You could brute force four-digit passcode and then effectively open the computer and the phone. Yes, absolutely. Um, but I'm saying you don't even have to do that because you just bring the computer like to unlock next to the person you have locked up in the cell and just wave it at their arm and it'll unlock. No, because they're refusing to put in their four-digit passcode because you took the phone, you took the, the watch off them in case they hung themselves with it. 
Okay, you're well, not, if you didn't not, take the you're watch not off. Anyway. No, you're not, you're not listening there, mate. No, I am the listening. The watch has become detached. They won't give you the passcode. You can brute force it, which you yes. couldn't have done before. Yes, no, yeah, I, I get that entirely. I'm just, but the chances are if they're smart, they wouldn't even have taken the watch off. They'll just wave the computer at it. But anyway, yeah, you're right. You're right. It's, you're giving up security for convenience. Convenience, yeah. So the question is, is that a level, is that a trade-off you as a person are happy with? I just think about all the grief that we went through a few months ago with Apple versus FBI, and then this happens. Have at it. Well, okay, but it's, self, boys. it's one thing for Apple to give us the opportunity to give us the opportunity to make a choice for ourselves. It's another for the government to force Apple to make the choice for everyone. Because Apple will allow you to have your phone unlocked. Apple will allow you to have no passcode on your phone. Apple will allow you to have your Mac auto-login. Uh, Apple was saying that they would get to the stage where even they could not open your phone. Assuming you set passcodes and stuff, right? They still give you the option to turn it all off, which is perfectly reasonable, right? All Apple have to do is provide the ability for us to choose security if we want it. They don't have to force the security on us. No, that's not what I'm saying. They were saying about the fact that they were going to make it double downy and that they were going to make sure that you couldn't get into your phone and even they wouldn't be able to get in your phone for you so that the government couldn't compel them to open the phone and then they give you a watch instead that can be brute forced to get into your phone and your, and your computer. But only if you choose to allow it. Like they are giving you the tools to choose. There's nothing. Not what I'm saying, but okay, move on. <laughs> You know, I, I get what you're saying, but it's not. I don't think it's an issue because of the fact that if you, you're not being forced to give up any security, right? No, but I'm saying that's the point is that they've gone on about the fact that that even they won't be able to break into a phone, and now they've created an insecure device that can be brute forced into a phone and a computer. That seems illogical to me. Um. Why would you complain so bitterly about not being able to? No one will be able to get into your phone, not even Apple, after this. And then they create a device that allows that's an open door. Well, Apple has never said that you have to put a passcode on your phone. You can leave it wide open if you want to. I'm well aware of that. That's not what I'm saying. Apple have gone on about the fact we're going. We're taking too long on this, maybe. But Apple have gone about the fact that that not even Apple will be able to get into your phone, and you have to put a thumbprint in to start a new device. So that has to take place. You have to put in a passcode and you have to put in a thumbprint on a new iPhone. At this time, you don't. You don't, no. You have to put you in a thumbprint. You can skip it. No, no. Really? You know, it's the other way it. around. And if you choose to put in a thumbprint, you have to put in a password. But if you choose to enable neither, hunky-dory, fine. So Apple's so, line is that if you want it secure, we promise it's secure. But if no, you but, want it open, it can be open. No, no. my point is, Apple have, have given you a phone that you can make secure, yes. and then they've given you another device that can bypass all of that security through a brute force attack. If you choose With the to. logic. No. You've got a phone. You're, yes. not, you're following the wrong point. You've got a phone. Mm-hmm. You can make it as secure as you like. Apple will say that not even they can get into that phone. Yep. And then they give you a device now in the watch that can be brute forced to get into that phone. Okay, but... But don't you have to set that up for yeah. that first? No, no, yeah. the point is, no, stop. You're going down the wrong path, fellas. Let's talk about it after. Well, <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, 
you go through the whole rigmarole of setting your phone up so it is absolutely tight as a duck's backside <laughs> secure. Not even Apple can now get into it. Mm-hmm. But Apple have given you a device that you can use to open that phone that someone can brute force. How is that even in any way living up to the demands of the security that they said that they would be able to place on your device? But all that security yes, remains in place, set- right? Because all they've done is they said that if, if you don't want this much security, then we can allow you to trade a small amount of that security in exchange for convenience. But but they should have. That's what I'm saying is if they live up to their promise of security, they should have put a limitation on the number of tries on the phone. You mean on the watch? The watch, sorry, yeah. Yeah, okay, that that I that I buy. I but mean, they haven't. Well, do we know that isn't in three? As far as I understand it, and I'm willing to be corrected when I'm wrong because I'm regularly wrong, but I understand it that there's no limitation of number of tries on the watch. Wait, is that on WatchOS 2 or on WatchOS 3? Maybe it's something that they have thought of and it just wasn't in the keynote. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I'm just guessing, right? No, that does seem like a bizarre... No, 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 we don't do editing. (laughs) No, it seems like a... You're right. It's a bizarre oversight that the watch cannot... That the watch doesn't lock itself, protect itself. Yeah. Something itself. Yeah. Yeah, okay. No, I see what you mean by going down the wrong rabbit hole. Yeah, okay. No, I'm with you now. Sorry. All right. We should try speaking the same language. (laughs) (laughs) I believe we're all speaking yours. (laughs) No clue, mate. Sorry. Well, then you give it to the Irish, and then you give it to the Americans. Did you notice we got raid back, and I didn't even know it was gone. Neither did I. Yeah, no disk utility. You can't make a raid device anymore on uh, on El Capitan, and they've given it us back in Sierra. Huh. I guess someone complained. I don't know who. <laughs> I know because the thing was after because I, I it was gone, and I was like, oh no. Uh, I didn't believe they'd taken that because that would be really useful. And then I thought to myself, well, actually, but I didn't even notice it was gone. I've never used it since. But the week after, I got a, like a Tough Tech um, uh, RAID device that I carry around with me, mm-hmm. and the, the, it, it failed, so I had to reformat it, and I couldn't. Eep. Yeah. Interesting. So I wanna, that's very strange. Anyway, yeah. let us move into iOS 10, which confused the big Jesus out of me because Mac OS 10, now it's iOS 10, only Mac OS 10 doesn't exist anymore, it's now Sierra, but whatever, anyway, I kept getting confused between the two when they started calling it iOS 10, but anyway, uh, the first useful feature actually is a link back to Mac OS because continuity has become better, or rather has developed new abilities, including a shared clipboard, so if you go to your iPhone and you do copy and paste, and then you go to your Mac and you do paste... You can now paste from your iPhone and your iPhone from your Mac, your Mac from your other Mac, your iPhone from your iPad, any combination you care to mention, there is now an iCloud clipboard, which is kept in sync between your devices, thanks to continuity, which is beautiful. Yay. Agreed. And also, there is, on the Mac, you now have the ability to to do online Apple Pay, and you can use the phone's thumbprint scanner, or Touch ID, to authenticate stuff on your Mac using continuity to link the two up. Which is interesting, and to me says, and the next Mac will have some sort of thumbprint scanner on it too. Where would they put it, though? On the power button? I don't know. <laughs> Keyboard? I don't, I don't think, no, I don't think, because the whole, the whole point is if you've got your phone with you, you don't need it on the computer. Does everyone who has a Mac have an iPhone? 
Uh, I'd say I'd say that that if you've got a um, if you've got a Mac, you've probably got an iPhone. If you've got an iPhone, you don't necessarily have a Mac though. So it okay, yeah, I see your point. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe they don't even need to. But I, I still kind of think it does make sense to integrate that sensor, doesn't it? Maybe. If they have this strip across the top on the new MacBooks, it takes the place of a function keys. These are uh, software encoded strip Mm -hmm. they could possibly do something with touch id there maybe i guess yeah i guess it's harder on the imacs easier on the laptops Hmm. true we shall see um ios then also got siri kit which i think is the, the big thing to talk about so there are a bunch of sort of competencies that Siri can learn and so Apple have at the moment there's not that many of them but Apple have basically defined it's almost like an API so it is possible to write an app that provides Siri with the ability to order some sort of food or to book some sort of transportation and you basically write your app so that it explains to Siri how to make the app do its thing and then what verbs and so forth to use. And then when you speak into your phone, it will suddenly understand how to get a Domino's pizza or how to order you an Uber or, you know, anything else in the currently available list of competencies. So it's kind of strange to have an API that's all about, you know, choice of words and stuff. But I guess how else could you possibly make Siri smarter? <laughs> that's... <laughs> Based on the conversation we had earlier, that's just <laughs> we answered that. It's crap. Yeah, maybe this will make it better, though, right? Because surely one of the things you want to be able to do is, like, I don't use the built-in note-taking app because I think it's awful. I would still like to be able to tell my phone to take a note. But right now I can't because it'll go into the Bling Notes app. So, you know, this this hopefully will make Siri more useful. But, of course, if she doesn't understand what you're saying, I guess it doesn't really matter what else she can do. I think it just misses so many times on what I want it to do with the core functionality of the phone that I'm not holding my breath on this. Okay. Ring, ring my wife when I'm leaving. <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's a core functionality and it's not achieving it. And my mm. son's got a Windows phone and he uses Cortana like it's his best mate. Really? I mean, he, he talks to his phone all the time. He never answers calls without it. He just says, pick up the phone. Uh, he sends messages to all his mates. He never touches the phone and it's, it works seamlessly for him. Siri, everyone that's that's in the, the Apple Siri world and going, Siri's fantastic, you went watch Cortana because Cortana is killing it at the moment. Interesting. And I, th- I think um, Google's devices are doing pretty okay and um, Amazon's Echo seems to do pretty darn well. I just... Yeah, I mean- Sorry. I found Google. I, I found Google's. Uh, I, I had an Android phone up until recently, and I thought it was better at recognizing my voice than Siri ever was, and being useful, like doing useful things that you ask it. Yeah. There you go. Uh, so here's an example with Siri. I can say to Siri, "Hey Siri, remind me when I get." Oh, last Siri, please. Re- <laughs> Everyone's phone is now going off because you do know that it'll never do what you ask it to do. Remind but some me. Some podcast is going to go right. You know, someone on a podcast, and everyone Siri will obey because that's just how nature works, isn't it? Anyway, sorry, you. Right. So, uh, hey Siri, um, just for everyone, um, uh, <laughs> when I get home, uh, remind me to do the following. I've never got any of those reminders because I put my postcode into the phone and where Siri thinks I live is actually round the corner in the next street. So 
And I, there is absolutely physically no way of me changing the geographical location of where I, it supposes I live to where I actually live. I can't, if I sit there and say, this is where I actually live, this is my home address, it tells me, no, you don't, you live at this address. <laughs> And you live at number 14. And I'm like, I'm at 14. Oh and it's just God. like, no, you're not. And it, it can't change. <laughs> so I've never got a reminder for when I get home because the, there's some woman lives around the corner who's been waiting for me for years uh, to come home, and I never have. Um, uh, but Cortana, you can – Ellis will say – this is where I live. Put this location as my home. And it doesn't give a stuff about my address. Right. It, it, Cortana records his geographical location as being his home. Which is – it should be a latitude and longitude, right? It shouldn't be an address. Well, it, it, Siri has oh, yeah. got my address, assumes that my address is where it thinks it is, and I never go home apparently. I'm having a first <laughs> woman around the corner. And you'd think it wouldn't take a massive amount of AI to you notice. You try and tell Siri your geographical location as your home rather than your address as your home. It is impossible. That is quite sad. Thanks, mate. <laughs> I'm sorry, I obviously can't make it better, but that is so stupid. And that's where Cartana kills it, because Cartana just does, just does simple stuff like that that is just unbelievable, and it responds to voice, and it does, it does killer stuff. Obviously, I, I, Apple bought the wrong company. Maybe I, I, I asked Siri uh, to uh, remind me to um, to buy some bananas a little while ago, um, and, and when I actually came to have a look at what it did, what it had thought I'd said, it it had just got the word fairies. <laughs> I, 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 I've no idea how it managed to do that. Well, that's because you always ask it that at the weekends. <laughs> so. <laughs> Okay, um, the other thing that Apple harped, harped on about in a good way, I guess, is they kept on mentioning privacy as they were going along. And then at the end, they came back to privacy and they basically said that they're going to be deploying a technology called differential privacy, uh, which is, it's a branch of computer science rather than a marketing term or anything. Um, and the basic idea is if something is has differential privacy, if you could take your data out of the total set and it wouldn't change the set in a noticeable way. In other words, that your data, if taking it out changes the whole set, then obviously your data contains important information that could be linked back to you, whereas if it doesn't, it doesn't. And it's kind of at a naive level, everyone randomly lies, and on average the lies cancel out and the truth becomes available, even though... If you de-anonymize it, you don't know what anyone actually told the system because there's a 50-50 chance it's complete and utter porky pies, uh, which I thought was an interesting way of approaching sort of having your privacy cake and eating it. And what we found out after the keynote was that even this level of sharing is going to be opt-in. So not opt-out, but opt-in. So that at least made me smile. Uh, anyone have any That's thoughts? That's a good on this? thing. Yeah. But developer information is opt-in at the moment. Yeah, everything is opt-in. Like, yeah. it's always, when you turn on your new phone, it says, uh, do you want me to tell developers when their apps crash? And I always say, yes. Would you like me to tell Apple when the phone crashes? Yes. But it is good that it's asking, right, instead of just assuming. I think okay. Apple's always had a very good stance on this kind of stuff, um, which has not been the case with other applications um, uh, that come in a book. And look at your face, and um, <laughs> uh, and uh, 
and the other one is is uh, Uber. I mean, Uber are just taking his geographical locations uh, constantly and selling it on. So it's uh, it's you know that those they don't even ask for that. It's a sign up in the small print, and here you go. Yeah, and you, obviously you can't use that app without allowing it to use your yeah. location because how else can you say send me a car here if it doesn't know where here? If it is. doesn't know where you are, right? Yeah. Any okay. Anything else about the the four platforms that anyone wants to to bring up before we move on? Nope. Okay. Um, The next thing Apple showed off was the Swift Playgrounds, which just as a nerd, I think is good to see someone encouraging future nerds to develop their skills. So this is basically a tool for learning to program coming to the iPad, and it looked very cool. Okay, um, the other thing that came out of WWDC but wasn't mentioned at all in the keynote was a new yeah. file system, which we're going to get as end users. They say they're planning to give it to us next year. So this is going to replace the very, very old HFS Plus, and it's going to be called Apple File System or APFS. And basically, it just seems to be about uh, sort of making the file system more efficient in a whole bunch of ways in terms of space it takes up, deduplication and stuff built into the file system, and also to have encryption not as a bolt-on but as a core feature of the OS. So at the moment you can encrypt an entire disk with a password, but APFS will allow you to have different passwords for different regions of the disk. So you could have your home folder encrypted with your login details and you could have another home folder in the same Mac encrypted with something else or even down to a single file being encrypted with something else, which is something you just cannot do on modern file systems. And again, it's designed to be able to shrink and grow and all those kind of things that we we sort of take for granted these days. So it looks from people who are way cleverer about these things than me that Apple have thought this through. The the part that kind of disturbed me uh, when they were kind of taking it back to Sierra Mm -hmm. was they were talking about how so much of the data that you currently have on your physical media uh, will take up less room because they're going to move it all to the cloud for you. Thank you. If you'd like. Yeah. Just to say, because it's not going to magically disappear to the cloud because I don't want that. No, neither do I. Yeah. So, so what this new file system can actually do, which is quite clever, if you have multiple copies of the same file or even the same just block of data, it will simply connect those two together so there will be two logical names for one actual file. It will store it once and link it twice. And it will allow you to... Actually, snapshots, again, is the other cool feature in terms of backup. It'll just say, I would like you to take a snapshot, just remember this out of the file system, and it's just an instantaneous action... And what it will do is it will do a copy on write from that point forward. So if you never change your file, there's just two versions of it, one on the snapshot and one on the real disk. But if you then change your file, it keeps the old blocks on disk and then creates a copy on write that's not in the snapshot. It's, it's all very clever, very cool stuff. Yeah, You know, it, it, what enterprise people are used to having on their storage area networks on their SANS and stuff is now going to be on a consumer desktop, which is cool in my nerdy opinion. Mm. Okay, um... Any other thoughts on anything from WWDC before we move on? Um, there was just one thing that crossed my mind, um, and it's completely frivolous as usual. Um, wrong and with that, that is, <laughs> um, and that is, you know how they went, they made the big thing about OS ten, right? And, the, and one of the things didn't, you know, one of these things isn't the same as all the others, kind of thing. 
Yes. So, if that were the case, my um, pedantic head said, well, hold on a minute. We've got a watch, and it's called WatchOS. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got a Mac, and it's called macOS. Yep. Uh, we've got a t- uh, Apple TV, and it's called TVOS. So why isn't iOS called PhoneOS? I agree. I mean, what is an I? I don't think I have an I. Why do I need an iOS? <laughs> so why didn't they go the whole hog and make them all the same? But anyway, that's just me being silly. No, I think you're just waiting until the next time around. You know, don't want to throw too many changes at once as far as naming <laughs> conventions go. Uh, maybe. No, seriously, I'm, I'm. That's you know that that's. I'm not kidding. I you know I, I think that for some people, I mean, let's face it, there were some people who were upset that OS X, sorry, OS ten turned into Mac OS. I wasn't one of them, but if they had also changed at the same time iOS, you know, some people's minds probably would have exploded. <laughs> Probably. Also, yeah. well, if we have phone, if we had phone OS, then would we also have pad OS? I mean, it'd be interesting to see if they would separate that out for the iPad and the iPhone. Oh, good point. I well, think. I think they're going to do that eventually, anyway. But yeah. I, I think I think that the issue is the fact they'd have to call it mobile OS, and if they call it mobile OS, it gets you into a whole pile of crap with similarities of other operating systems that have run in the past and not very well. Yeah, yeah. It's got it's got too many vowels as well. It's not going to. I don't think phone. I don't think phone and pad are going to separate. Not for a long time until the pad's a lot more powerful and a lot more got more user interface to it, and then it's into being a small a small uh, netbook at that point. So um, I think it's just a case of they don't want to call it mobile OS because it, it's got connotations of of it doesn't work. Yeah, and also, yeah. what about my my twelve inch MacBook? Like that is a mobile device very clearly. It's smaller than my iPad. Well, okay. Okay, so. I take it back. <laughs> well, no, I see your point, right? It is, it is wrong on the list, but I think it's wrong on the list because there is nothing better. I, I think. Yes, you probably right. Yeah. People have gone mad trying to second guess Apple. Nick, move on. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, it, yeah, you can. You'll never be right. It's terrible. Okay. Um, the controversy of the month. So this is this controversy has been swirling around for some time, but I ha- I don't. On this show, I'm not a rumours. I don't do rumours usually on this show. However, I'm fully aware of the fact that Apple used the Wall Street Journal as an unofficial part of their PR department. And so far, <laughs> whenever the Wall Street Journal published something, it turns out to be true. And so this month, the Wall Street Journal said that it is true that there is going to be no headphone jack on the arse end of the new iPhone this autumn. And the world went poof and exploded. Um, so I think it's probably worth talking about. Um, so this is my show. I'm going to throw in my own two cents first. My theory is that Apple is going to present this to us as being one less cable to worry about. Apple seemed to be, if, if the 12-inch MacBook is anything to go by, Apple's vision is a future with very few, if any, cables. If they could magically beam electricity through the air, they would. So I, I think they're just going to basically say one less cable to get tangled and having snagged myself far too many times on headphone cables over the years and broken far too many headphones in such stupid ways, I certainly won't be sorry to see the end of that cable. So that, that's my take on it. And I will also say it seems interesting timing to me that Bluetooth 5 was announced this month, which will be out at the end of this year or early next year, and it will be twice as fast and quadruple the range. Yeah, I'm, uh, yeah I've heard a lot of people complain about you know the loss of the headphone jack. 
but typically if I'm listening to music or podcasts, I'm in my car and using Bluetooth anyway. So I'm kind of like meh about the whole thing. Yeah, I use wired and wireless headphones all day long, but I personally am not really upset about this change. I think it's fine to move forward. And I suspect, like you're saying, Bart, we're going to see some real advances in wireless headphones in the next several months. Um, I think I've expressed before um, that I think Apple are quite obsessive about things. And <laughs> I think this is just another example of we've got to get rid of the cables. We've just got to get rid of the cables at all costs. And because um, I don't think there's any, I don't think there's a real reason for doing this other than it's one less cable, uh, and it's Apple's obsessiveness. First, I think the first thing I said was about thinness, and now it's about cables. Yeah. So my typical trip to London, uh, which I do a few times a month, mm-hmm. is um, I pack my bag the night before and I dumble out the door at uh, 4.30 in the morning into a taxi to get myself Hang to the train station. 4.30 then as well? Yeah, yeah, there's two in a day. Oh, wow. And, uh, <laughs> and then I get to the train station, I pick up my ticket, and at that point then... I start to think about pulling out my iPad or um, pulling out my iPhone and listening to something Mm. uh, or watching something. And it's then I realize I haven't got any phones with me. So I go into WH Smith's and I buy a set of phones in WH Smith's and uh, I buy a set of £10 skull candies. I now own probably in the region of 20 to 30 pairs of of (laughs) skull candies. And they stay in my bag until I'm up the office and then someone comes and I've got a, a, a loop system here for the office for uh, people to listen to the show so I can have six people listening mm. and they get the audio loop the same as I get when we're doing the shows. So then I have to find them a set of earphones and I've got this once-used set of earphones that I clean the, the things off and I say, you know, have those. So they say, that's fine. And then they're not in my bag anymore. And then right. the following week I go to the train station and the ritual starts again. And um, I am going to be mortified because I'm, I, I'm sitting here. I am actually physically holding in my hands a set of Sony Bluetooth earphones, over-ear earphones that are gorgeous, that sound lustrous beyond belief and cost me about £170. But I forget to take them. Right, yes. And that's what kills me. Is, is, is uh, Yes, Apple, you're right. We don't need it. Yes, we can do without it, but... There are so many of us who've got slack brains that just cannot cope with there not being something to plug into and can't cope with the ability to buy something that's inexpensive, that yes, it sounds crap, but it's either that or it sounds nothing at all. So I find it annoying that you're taking that from me. I wonder... Uh, will someone like Griffin or one of these companies come out with some sort of yoke you can just shove up the arse of the new iPhone, leave it there, that will have a pass-through for lightning and provide probably horizontally parallel to the bottom of the phone a 5-inch jack? And that would keep you marginally happy. Maybe. Or just give me a sodding phone, because everyone still uses plug-in headphones. Okay, well... the. What if they replace that spot with a matching speaker for the one on the other side and give us really nice speakers? Because I use my speakers infinitely more than I shove things in that 3.5mm jack. 
Well, I, if, I, if I'm going to turn up my device so that I can hear it on the train, everyone else around me gets really sure, pissed yeah, off. Sure, no, it won't help on the train. And if I'm watching porn, then it's even worse. It's more embarrassing. <laughs> Especially on the train. Especially on yeah. the train, yeah. Um, I I have some sort of recent experience with this that made me think about this again. So, if, what por- porn on a train? No, no, uh, no. Uh, word versus Is that a word new film with Samuel L. Jackson. <laughs> I'm so tired of this porn on this mother effing train. <laughs> uh, so I bought last about a year ago, a little bit less than a year ago, and I know it's a little bit less for a reason you're going to hear in a moment. Uh, I bought a set of uh, Damson headphones. So they're uh, bone conduction Bluetooth headphones. So they're perfect for cycling and stuff because they don't cover your ears. So you should still hear the car coming to kill you. And I love them to bits. They work amazingly. And since I bought those, I haven't plugged anything into the bottom of my iPhone. And then middle of this week, all of a sudden, my headphones start acting up. And so I contact support and they say, oh, your device is two weeks within warranty. It's like, phew, okay. Uh, Send it back to us. And we'll send you a repaired or a new pair. Great. So I sent them off. And now I have no Bluetooth headphones. So now I'm back to... I found an old pair of... Um, I have. I, I always used to buy ones with a neck band so that they go over your ear, then across your neck and over your other ear. So I dug those up, blew the dust off them. About a year's worth of dust. And I started using them again. So far, in the three days I've been using them, I've snagged them on my handlebars three times. And I'm amazed I haven't actually snapped them clean in half yet. I really, really never want to have to use a cable again. <laughs> I haven't had it for a year. I've had it for three days and I hate it. So I, I, I see where Apple is coming from. Yes, but that's a choice. It is a choice. No, I also see where you're coming from. Yeah. I choose cable. And I love the fact as well, I tend to, to run the cable down the back of my uh, uh, neck, mm-hmm. down my back. So um, uh, I tend to buy stuff that's got a longer cable so I can bring it right round into my pocket again for the phone and it goes down inside my jacket. Or um, uh, if I do the show, then the monitor headphones that I use for the audio pack, I loop over the top of my ears and back down my shirt. So ah, there's yes. no cabling, which yeah. yeah, I I try to run it through cycle jerseys and stuff, but I do always seem to manage to end up catching it on something. The proper cycle jersey, you've got a pocket on the back, so um, you shouldn't you shouldn't have a problem. You'd think that, wouldn't you? I thought and, that. And if Siri actually bloody worked, you'd be fine. Yeah, although these, <laughs> I, I accidentally bought headphones without a mic, which is stupid. Very stupid for cycling, because <laughs> you're cycling along and you hear ringing in your ears and you have nothing you can do about it because your phone is stuck around the back of your... Uh, anyway. So, you know, if you had Cortana, you could answer it with your voice. Not without a, not without a bloody mic in my headphones, though. That's, that's anyway, the what's the, who has... Who has even, the, even the cheap £10 ones I know. that I buy from Skullcandy in, the, in WH Smith's in the morning at 5 o'clock still have got a, I know. a mic in them. I just assumed every pair of headphones would, so I, I think I spent £60 on Amazon.co.uk on these sports headphones with a wire that are sweat-resistant, and it never occurred to me that they could possibly not have a mic until they arrived. I was like, oh my god, these things don't have a mic. Saw you come in. Yep, they really did. Just Adidas branded as well, you think they'd know better, but anyway. Uh, so, okay, so you and you're going to miss it, and every, is everyone else ho-hum about it or happy about it or don't care? I think it'll be an adjustment for me because I do use a lot of wired headphones, but I'm okay with it. Okay. So, uh, well, as I say, I'm not going to say you're wrong, Ewan, because I entirely see where you're coming from. I just want choices. Apple aren't known for being big on that. No, they, they, well, okay, moving on. 
Well, they do they do some choices, but they're also known for going, do you know something? We're fed up of that. We're moving on. Toodle-pip. Yeah, I mean, this, this thing about the floppy disk with Gruber, I'm sorry, but the technology hasn't moved so far past plugging in. And, and the, the, you'll get a lot of audio files as well. They'll say, I'm sorry, but, you know, it's not the same on Bluetooth as it is plugged in. No, the, the argument there, of course, is, ah, but now you have a digital port, so you can shove them into your lightning port because we all buy lightning headphones. Yeah, that's one thing I'm pretty sure I'm never going to do is buy a lightning once, headphone. Once they're a tenor from WH Smith, I'll be happy. Oh, actually, is the iPhone big enough that that could happen? That you actually would walk into WH Smith and that they would have lightning headphones for a tenor? They might in another two years. So there'll be a Just, gap. There'll be a period of pain for you, and then the pain yeah. will lessen. Two, two hours of boredom on the train. Small price to pay. Thanks, Apple. <laughs> well, you do that a couple times, Ewan, and you'll never forget your headphones again. That's you clearly don't know me. It's, the the pain of anything that I get wrong it doesn't change anything that I do. I don't know why. I just I'm stupid. I have a theory, you and it's the four thirty in the morning bit. Well, it doesn't help. It doesn't help. But I do I do take drugs to help me get up. Oh God, yeah, I, I, I I'm a night owl. There are days I don't go to bed till four thirty in the morning. I certainly don't get up at four thirty in the morning. Okay, uh, the last two stories are sort of related, and thankfully they sort of mirror each other, so we, we, we can be impartial. Um, Apple and a number of other tech companies, it has to be said, have decided that for the first time in as certainly as long as I can remember, they are going to offer no support, either in terms of physical tech or money, to the uh, Republican convention. And they are quite clear about why. It's because they feel that Donald Trump is a racist, basically. <laughs> You've had a soundboard for the last hour and something, and you have resisted it until now. I have. I am so impressed. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, um, I frankly could watch Trump drown and, you know, not extend a hand to help him up. I'm not a fan. Clearly, clearly. Yeah, I think it's. I, I don't know how Apple can say. We believe in diversity and then give money to the RNC this year. So I, I can see where Tim Cook is like, yeah, okay, but the normal thing for companies to do is to donate to both conventions. You know, make sure your bread is buttered up. Anyone but Trump. You know, that, yeah. that's that's the problem right there. Yeah, because in the past and they've I, given money to George W. Bush and all sorts <clears throat> of people. But this is just one step too far. I just cannot believe the, the numbers of people. That, you know, and it's almost everyone that I talk to that that isn't that kind of person, the the response seems to be, well, he's he's not a typical politician. I said, well, you yeah, you're damn right about <laughs> yeah. that. Of course, that someone said to me in, in his defense, yeah, but he's unpredictable. And you think this is a positive yeah, thing? That's, yeah, that, that's what you want. In, 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 you know, with a guy that has his finger on nuclear weapons, his unpredictability. Yeah, he, People he did, say to me, I like him because he says what he thinks. And I said, have you been listening to what he thinks? <laughs> what he thinks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, anyway. Um, presumably a some sort of gesture to to make it sort of clear that Apple because I don't think Apple wants to be seen as a partisan company it's it's not good for any company to be seen as choosing no, one this, party this over is another directly because of Trump yeah and so to sort of counterbalance that Tim Cook has done a fundraiser for House Speaker Paul Ryan who is of course a Republican he's the Republican House Speaker Paul Ryan so I, I think that sort of sent a message to the Republican Party it's like it's not you guys it's that guy um, which is I guess 
clever of Apple. And then the related story then from the other side of the aisle is that Senator Elizabeth Warren, who is... The uh, VP nominee. Yeah, not official, but everyone seems to think that seems very, very likely. Um, She's basically in a speech given Apple, Amazon and Google a a little bit of a talking to. And then she she gave them all a different talking to for different reasons. And in the case of Apple, she basically said that Apple are making it hard for people to break into the streaming music business. And right on cue, Spotify have gone completely bonkers over the fact that their app was rejected. And, of course, their app was rejected because they designed it to be rejected. And the reason it's being rejected is because they object strongly to having to pay 30% to Apple when Apple Music does not have to do any such thing. So I kind of think she has a point. But I may be, I may be alone in that. If, Maybe Apple if, does pay it was only, it if it was only music streaming apps that had to pay a 30% or if it was only movie streaming apps or if it was, you know, only this kind of app or that kind of app, she'd have a point, but it's, it's across the board. And, you know, when you get right down to it, this is Apple's platform. They have to spend money to keep this platform going. So therefore, if you want to make money through Apple's operating system and Apple's devices, okay, you're going to have to spend a little bit back to the people that are doing it. This this isn't completely dissimilar from retail. You know, people people selling things to the the WalMarts and the Targets of the world. Well, Walmart and Target are entitled to make money for providing the shelf space for your items. You and you were coming in there. I was just being irreverent. Okay, well, you're. No, there's a, certain, there's a certain point though that that I think you know the the mall analogy kind of works, but then this isn't a bricks and mortar store, and the, and the maintenance of this thing is significantly. If you want to start throwing overheads into the market, and people start digging down, then I think that argument's going to get pretty thin pretty quickly. The point is though that that Apple has this marketplace for you to utilize. There is a condition for using that marketplace. You either comply with that condition or you don't. There are plenty of you other places sell. where you go. Now, the, the, this is what we got into a huge debate on on the Mac show this week. And and the, the point was being raised by several panelists that uh, Apple does not have a monopoly on music services. But what she's saying is not that they've got a monopoly mm-hmm. in, as such. She, she's referring to the fact that their action within the market is monopolistic. And you only have to control 20%, 25% of the market in order to be able to show that you are monopolistic. Yeah, and I don't so, think she actually used the word monopoly or monopolistic. I think she was talking about a competitive issue. And well, I, She's talking about anti-competitive, yeah. which is going to be then locking out would be an, a locking out of competition would be anti-competitive and, and monopolistic behavior. Hmm. Now, but but you can the, 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 I think what she says may and what Spotify say are going to almost be irrelevant. It, it's going to be when it hits the EU, and if the EU agree that it's monopolistic behaviour, then they'll take action. And and to be honest, I think they're a far more uh, toothful court than anything that the US has got to offer because it's too politically run. Yeah, my my sort of feeling is until the moment Apple launched Apple Music, I didn't see a problem. It's like. That's just the price. Everyone pays that 30% price. So it doesn't make life better for Spotify versus for RDO or RDO or whatever you pronounce that. And so it was an even playing field. 
And I didn't, you know, it seemed fine to me. And then Apple walk in and offer a service of their own. And now all of a sudden I'm thinking, well, they have every right to offer a service of their own. And then I'm also thinking, and yeah, and now they've just thrown this giant big ball of mud into it and muddied all the waters. And whether they're right or wrong, I'm not even sure. But I am sure that every regulator around the world is going, are you Yahudi what now? Because I can see Spotify's point that they are at a disadvantage versus Apple. Because they didn't sell big enough to start with. They were the biggest, they were, they were the hugest fish swimming around in a really tiny pond. And now Apple have pulled out a bulldozer, enlarged the pond and, and belly flopped into it. And nothing else out there is even close. Um, and the, the, the thing that's, that's beautiful about Apple is that Apple take a set fee from you every month, but they only pay to the, uh, artists on plays and people aren't, I, I've, you know, I don't utilize my music subscription to anywhere near the value that I pay for it in terms of plays. So Apple are making a massive amount of money from me in proportion to what they're playing to artists for plays. And that's where the beauty of their system is. Would that not be the and, same for Spotify though? Where they only they, they only pay yeah, but, as well, right? Yeah, but they, 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 they built themselves a tiny pond. They should have built a bigger pond to start with and they haven't. Tough. Mm-hmm. It it does seem a bit similar, though, to, to to sort of Microsoft building themselves a big OS business and then wandering in and stumping on all the other browsers by saying, "Oh yeah, we're going to throw it in. We're going to throw it in with. We're going to bundle it in with the OS." Yeah, but it's the opposite way around. If you said that that there was a massive producer of OSs out there, and then Microsoft produced an OS that was very similar to theirs and made a bigger pond for it, and then monopolised the market, then fair enough. But but to a certain degree, that there was no mass market for OSs until Microsoft came along, and they okay. built their own size pond, and no okay. one else was able to man up to it and fill it up. But the problem with Microsoft, the problem with Microsoft wasn't their OS. The problem with Microsoft was using their OS to kill the browser competition. So in this case, you have Apple using their app store to kill the music competition. I don't think they are. I think they're standing to a set of rules that apply to all apps in the, in the app store. If you want an app in our app store, this is what you have to go along with. Uh, as Spotify are perfectly capable of continuing the model that they have where people can offer up their subscriptions and they give pays to, um, uh, to, uh, to artists. But, the problem is they've realized they can't do that because they, they weren't big enough to start with. They've still got the ability to run their own business through their own browser-based system without touching the Apple Store. They want to be in the Apple Store because that's where they make money. And Apple are going, well, look, that's fine. Come, come set your stall up, but you've still got to give us a, a proportion just like everyone else does it. It's, a, it's, it's an egalitarian process. Yeah, everyone else apart from Apple Music. Apple Music can't pay themselves 30%. I know, oh, come on, I, I know they can't, but that's why... That's why they have this systematic advantage, right? It, it's easier for Apple to make money selling music than it is for anyone else to make money selling music. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Tim then, Cook approached then you've Tim got Cook. the problem. Then you've got the problem of, okay, well, then Amazon comes in and says, well, you're going to let Spotify sell at a discount. You should let us sell at a discount. And, you know, and because Apple has bits and pieces across the entire Mac and, and iOS Oh, spear for lack of a better term, as far as applications goes, you know, and they, that just pulls the rug right out from underneath uh, their 30% for everything. And if you want to get picky, Apple Music is not in the App Store. True. That's true. It's all differently. It's not an easy nut to crack, right? Because obviously you can you can see it from Apple's point of view and it seems utterly reasonable. And then you can see it from Spotify's view and you can see why they're cranky. 
you know, I, I can convince myself both are right, which is very annoying. You can see it from Spotify's viewpoint that they can't break out in a market that they pretty much nearly started, and now they're throwing their teddy in the corner. I'm sorry, but this, you know, Apple are, are being. I'm I'm very quick to criticise Apple, but in this instance. They're not being monopolistic. They've created a service which was akin to what Spotify did. Spotify were not big enough to crush them. And um, uh, they've tried other means to sell music through the App Store. The App Store's got set rules that they now don't want to go along with. Sorry, tough. Go back to your original business model and compete with Apple by putting out TV adverts and all those kind of things. But they haven't done that. Spotify's upset because... This is how they supposedly make their money, but it doesn't look like they're really making money. And Apple is only a little bit concerned about making money from just the music because they have so many other things going on. It's just it's a whole interesting kettle of fish there, honestly. Yeah, one of the issues, though, is that, I mean, Apple are very strict about this. You can't even say in your app, by the way, if you sign up on the web, it's $3 cheaper. To a certain extent, Apple go a little bit too far in protecting their 30% because it should be be okay to offer to tell the person, if you click this button now, you'll have the convenience of just getting it straight away, but it's going to cost you $12. Why is that a problem? You say you want to put a sign in a shop window that says come around the corner and you can buy it three quid cheaper than having me having to pay the, the owner yeah. of the shop for the rent. That's, that's rubbish. That's not, a, that's not a valid argument at all. Well, it's very user hostile, so a lot of regulators will look at it from the point of view of uh, the consumer rather than either Apple's point of view or Spotify's point of view. And looking at I, want to me- stick a, I want to stick a sign in your shop window. I'm not going to pay you anything for it because I'm going to give it away free, but all it says is come around the corner and I'll sell you it without having to pay them any fees. That's not okay. Yeah, well, on the other hand, I can, I can see it was there too. It's just really messy, right? Because Apple is both the referee and the player in the game. And yes, they're bringing along the whole platform and they've earned their position. Yeah, I keep going around in circles. <laughs> That's not very helpful, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Anyone have any more coherent thoughts than I do? Okay. (laughs) All right. Uh, Well, that brings us to the end of the main stories. So just a few quick things to say before we wrap up. Um, We have learned this month that Apple are retiring the Thunderbolt display and they have not announced a replacement. They, They have said that there are plenty of fine displays out there in the marketplace without actually pointing at any particular one. Um, yeah, that's just that's just to sell existing stock. You they're, think they're, they're, Yeah, they're going to come out with enough. Nobody, I, I can't think of anyone else that makes a Thunderbolt display. Well, there is also the fact that Thunderbolt displays don't even work on all of Apple's laptops anymore. The 12-inch MacBook cannot drive a Thunderbolt display. Well, it doesn't have a Thunderbolt port. Right, but I should be able to buy a laptop. If Apple are going to sell screens, it should work with their computers. Mm, you're asking it to drive an awful lot there at 256 by whatever it is, 1600. Oh, it, it, the, little, the little MacBook can drive massive screens. I have a driving gigantic 50-inch tellies at work all the time. At what resolution? 1080p 1080. at least. Well, so that's not 2560 by 1600 then, but pick a level playing field, man. Yeah, okay. I, I still don't think the, it has any trouble with other people's big monitors. I mean, it's only a 27-inch monitor. I don't know. It just seems like it does. It does HDMI and so forth, and they can pump out a nice resolution. But it can't. Size doesn't matter, mate. I know it's pixel resolution. Count. I know. I said that I must check the stats, but the, the little twelve-inch MacBook can drive quite a large display, or pixel-wise, 
not inches wide. But it can't drive Apple's display because Apple's display will only accept DisplayPort slash Thunderbolt. And you can't get a converter, goodness knows I've tried. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe they'll start doing a new shiny one. Maybe not. I don't think they will. I mean, I think um, the, the, I think the, 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 the release that they put out said it all. You know, there's a lot of people out there now in third parties doing this really, really well. And you're talking about um, 4K monitors from uh, 300 pounds here in the UK on Amazon at the moment, which is um, which is killer. I mean, that's you know, 20, 28 inch monitors at uh, at 4K resolution for 300 pounds. Apple are never going to compete with that. Yeah, it's amazing actually how much they've come down because I used to spend that much on a 24 inch. It's, yeah. yeah, and it's you know you, you I mean the, the monitors I've got here are a thousand pounds a piece. I got two of them, and they're thirty-four inches wide, and they're twenty-one by nine ratios, and they're beautiful for editing on. But the resolution on them is actually fairly poor in comparison. Yeah, yeah, and if you were to buy something for that price today, you'd get something astounding. Yeah, I mean, brand new. These are down about five hundred pounds now. Um, for people in America, uh, Apple have started to pay out on the case they lost about the whole ebook thing. So if you have an Amazon account or whatever and you bought books, Apple may have sent you some Amazon credit, which will have been automatically credited to your Amazon account or your Barnes & Noble if you have one of those Nook things or wherever else you're getting your ebooks from, I presume. Um, that's obviously only within the United States. The iPhone was nine years old this month. Uh, the first one went on sale on June 29, 2007, which seems like only yesterday. Yeah, uh, I was at that keynote. You were at the keynote? Yeah, that was the first Macworld I'd gone to since they closed the New York show. Interesting. Yeah. It, it, it's kind of weird to imagine that 10 years ago there was no iPhone. It seems like it's been here forever. And on the other hand, has it only been 10 years? It's, it's very strange. Yeah. Uh, final thing just to say, uh, mark the date on your calendar. Apple's Q3 earnings call will be on July the... Oh, I forgot to put the date into my show notes. On July! <laughs> Close enough. On July the 216th. Um, it, oh, sugar. 26th, I think. 2 p.m. Pacific time. Let me check the iMore story. That's a terrible, silly typo to do. July 26th, 2 p.m. Pacific time, 5 p.m. Eastern time will be the earnings call. Okay, uh, panel, thank you very much for giving so freely of your time. Um, just before we wrap up, I just want to do a few little announcements. So there will be detailed show notes with links to all the stories that informed this month's uh, discussions over at lets-talk.ie. While you're over there, you'll find three large blue buttons in the sidebar uh, under the heading support the show. Please consider supporting the show. Um my aim is to have these shows be self-sufficient so that basically they bring in as much as they cost me to run. Uh, and it is a goal that is now in sight, but not quite crossed yet. So if a few more people pitch in, we will cross that magic goal and make me a very happy person. Um, obviously, I want to give a big thank you to everyone who has donated the show through the PayPal button or who has bought swag on the Zazzle store. So you can... The Zazzle store is great, actually, because you get a thing, be it like a T-shirt, a polo shirt, a mug, whatever it is, a thing. And it has our logo on it, which means that as you're walking around life, you're a walking advertisement for the show and you have a thing. And we also get a small amount of money back. So that one works really nicely. Uh, and I really want to give an extra big thank you to all of our patrons on Patreon because... You guys genuinely make it possible for me to do this show because every month I know that if I put out two shows, I will get two shows worth of Patreon contributions. 
and that allows me to put money from Patreon towards the bills and they're getting closer and closer to matching up which is great and it, it really is amazing so everyone who supports the show on Patreon thank you very much indeed if you don't and you're considering it uh, go to patreon.com forward slash ltpod and the way it works is you pledge a certain amount per show so every month there will be two shows one photography show one Mac show they all count so if you'd like to give a dollar a month pledge 50 cent if you'd like to give two dollars a month pledge one dollar you get the idea uh, and also simply telling your friends, retweeting the show, going to iTunes and leaving us a review, all of that helps and it's all appreciated. So thank you to everyone who helps the show in any way whatsoever. Okay, um, panel, in reverse order, would you like to tell the dear listeners where they can find you online? Uh, Nick, where, where do you hang out on the interwebs? Um, just on Twitter, really. And it's Spligosh, S-P-L-I-G-O-S-H. Thank you very much. Ewan, do you want to plug your show? Since you're new, do you want to do like an extra big plug because people haven't heard you before? Uh, it's okay. My name is Ewan Rankin. You can get me at Ewan Rankin on Twitter, E-W-E-N-R-A-N-K-I-N. And uh, you'll find me podcasting every week on the British Tech Network. We've got um, piles of shows, loads and loads of shows. There's a couple of new ones coming along as well through the summer. Um, but we've got Gamer Show broadcasting live on Monday night. And we broadcast live all of our shows as well as video and audio. Um, so come along. Friday nights is when we do Mac Show and Big Show and Gamer Shows on a Monday. Excellent. And you have a chat room there so people can watch, listen and chat and distract you by saying funny things in the chat room. Yeah, we just, we, I see, we're pretty freeform. There's not a lot of shit. There's no show notes at all, actually. But um, uh, it's the idea is make stay in the pub, just chit chat and say what you like. And some of it's right, some of it's wrong. Sometimes we talk out of rubbish, sometimes we don't. I can promise you it will be entertaining. Yeah, it's, it's meant to be a bit of fun. We don't take ourselves too seriously. If you came along and said you said something wrong there, and you, I get a lot of people write to me each week telling me what an asshole I am, um, and I just reply, thank you very much. There's a huge queue for that. Please go to the back. I've, I've always said if you don't make someone cranky, you haven't done anything of any value. Oh, I've got my hate index is right up at the moment. <laughs> oh, dear. Did you say something naughty about Apple? Uh, no, it's just no, people aren't usually specific about Apple. They just write in and go, you're a wanker, and that's it. And, and it's like, well, thank you very much. Do. The, the I don't know. No, I tell you, real, real kudos. There you go. Anyway, that's the British Tech Network at britishtechnetwork.com or something sensible, isn't it? Yeah, just type in British Tech Network, you'll find us. I was going to say, I, I go there every time I'm on the show and I just go into the address bar, British Space Tech Space Network, enter, and it always, I always arrive. So there we go. There you go. See? Uh, Robert, do you want to tell people where they can find the shows you do and so on and so forth? <laughs> Sure. I do a podcast called the Tech Doctor Podcast along with a co-host named Allison Hartley. It's a podcast all about Apple accessibility and it's at dr-carter.com, dr-carter.com. And I'm Robert underscore Carter on Twitter. Excellent. Thank you very much. And finally, Guy, do you want to plug the wonderful... Yes. Well, my, my oh, podcast. The, so I, I actually I yeah, can promise the, the listeners, right, that about 30 seconds from now, there'll be some sort of uh, bumper for Guy's show because Guy is also on the Stoplight Network, which is where this podcast appears. And at the end of every show, we plug one of our fellow podcasters. So I, I promise you, you'll hear Guy and Gaz do something stupid in about 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, that's every week for us. Uh, Gaz. Gaz, you are absolutely right. And I do the MyMac.com podcast. You can find that over at iTunes and, of course, at MyMac.com if you want to listen to it from there. Uh, we have a Skype number, which is 703-436-9501. Uh, I'm on the Twitter as MacParrot, and uh, I guess that's it. What?
Sorry, I couldn't resist since Gaz isn't here to do it for you. <laughs> okay, Wait, guys. He actually uses a recorded parrot now. Oh, that, he's just I phoning know. it in. This is not good enough. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to have words. Anyway, thank you very much to all the panel for being here. Thank you to the listeners for listening. I've been your host, Bart Bouchat. You can find me at bartb.ie. And until next time, happy computing. Listening to another great podcast in the Stoplight Network. So, guess. Sorry, I'm just boogieing out to that. You know, <laughs> well, that's playing. You know, I'm shaking it is my so head. Catchy. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. <laughs> I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm shaking my ass. Ass. I'm sorry. Guys joke. Guys joke. Mostly clean. <laughs> I do have a tip for you. It's a very, very quick one. That's why we've been going on about nothing. Oh, no change there. Um, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm interrupting Can I do you this again. Tip? I'll be, yes, I'll be quiet now. Daz's tips. Guys jokes. Only. Thank goodness. On the My Mac podcast.